Well, hello, podcast people. This is Matt Hafer. This is 100 Foot Jesus. And um, welcome to the show if you've never joined us before. I hope you guys are having an awesome week. I hope things are going well with you. I hope um, you're enjoying some other podcasts, not just this one, but some others that really stimulate you spiritually, emotionally, inspire you to do big things. Um, Thank you for the feedback on last week's episode, by the way. And those of you who thanked me for throwing out the recommendation for the, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. And yes, I know I pronounced it wrong twice on last week's episode. I know, I know. But thank you uh, for just those who thanked me for that recommendation. I think it's an awesome look into just ministry and that kind of thing. Uh, we all know ministry's messy. It's messy, man. Like, it's not idealized either, is it? Like, we, you have this picture of what ministry is going to look like. We always think of the outcome. We never think of, like, what we put into it and what if this goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? Even if you're a logistics person, you're not ready for the pain and sin of this world because you're still dealing with people. And sometimes you're going to go through this life and you're going to want to shield yourself from pain. But, man, pain's just going to come. It's like the idea that some parents will get their kid a goldfish. And the reason they get their kid a goldfish is so their kid can experience death, which is a weird thought, isn't it? I mean, like, hey, uh, we should get our kid a fish. Oh, so they'll love it. No, so it'll die. That way they can experience death for the first time. But pain is just going to come and life is just going to be messy. And maybe sometimes that's where what you call God comes into play. Maybe when you talk about God, you think of a God who steps into that awful madness and, and, and champions you around the corner. Maybe that's what connects you so much with a loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God. It's one thing that connects me to God. There's a phrase we say in the church that I think is so weird. Um, This is just weird. A lot of worship songs have this in it. They say, you know, God, you've never failed me yet. That's a puzzling phrase. You've never failed me, God. Here's a question to follow up that statement. What would it even look like if God did fail me? Like, what would I judge that based on? Like, I'm counting on God to do a thing I want him to do. God, do this miracle I want you to do. God, remove this obstacle I want you to remove. And then you don't. And then you're like, God, you failed me. Now, I know there's room in the Psalms for that. I mean, I know there's some room in the Psalms for David to be really upset and relenting at God. I get that, man. Lamentations. Woo, dandy. Man, read some Lamentations sometime. I mean, that author just lets God have it so often. That's that's just how Scripture reacts, man. Like Especially in the Old Testament. The prayers written in the Old Testament, they just let God have it. They're like, listen, I'm going to tell you something. And there's a lot of room for that too. But what would it look like if God failed you? Sometimes I feel we we approach this word... That's like everything for us. And the word is, are you guys ready? Happy. You should be happy. When 
we talk about happy, there it happy has this companion that holds hands with it in in our culture, and it's um fun. If you dropped your kid off at Kids Church yesterday, whatever your church calls it, we call it Kids Point. You might call it Kids Cove or Kids City. Or um, I went to a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania once, and I loved it. They called it Kidsburg. What a sweet name for a kids ministry. But if you drop your kid off at Kids Ministry and you pick them up, what's the first question you ask? A lot of us. Well, did you have fun? And because if you had fun, that means you were happy. Happy's a good one. A lot of times I'll, I'll sit with parents who are just struggling about what rules to set before their kids to make them not hate church, not hate God, not hate them. And then I always get this. When I say always, I mean all but maybe once ever in the past almost two decades of ministry where a parent will say, yeah, I, I, I get that, but shouldn't my kid just do whatever makes them happy? Well, no. I mean, when I was a kid, it would make me happy to have ice cream every meal. When I was a kid, it would make me happy to have the prettiest girl in school always think I'm awesome. Um, those are things that make me happy. But those aren't always the best thing. Because the prettiest girl in school sometimes is shallow and mean. And ice cream will not be great for your health. Maybe when you're young, you got that metabolism. But as you get older, oh boy, getting up out of recliner is going to be a struggle. So maybe it's not always whatever makes me happy. And we don't help kids with that. We say, follow your passions. Go go do what you feel as though will make you happy in life. We say things like, uh, and by the way, we mean well. We say things like, get a job to where you would do it for free, but convince someone to pay you for it. By the way, I have said that to so many kids looking for direction in life. But in essence, what we're trying to say is, what makes you happy? Another phrase for that is, um, whatever fills your passion bucket. You know, like, what will make you happy? What will make you passionate? What will fulfill every bit of that? That's what we're talking about. So let's talk about happy. Now, a lot of times we say, we say phrases in the church where like, you know, there's a difference between happiness and joy. And there is. Biblically, you could see that happy is situational. Happy is like McDonald's gave you two orders of fries rather than one, and you're driving away like, okay, I'm happy. Happy is your team won yesterday in the NFL or Saturday in college football or whatever day they're playing Major League Baseball this week. Or That's happy. Happy is a compliment on your shirt. That's happy. And happy is addictive. Happy is posting that photo and getting more likes than you expected and, and more shares than you expected and more comments than you expected. That's happy. But happy is situational. Happy can't sustain. Happy's like, that made me happy, but not everything makes me happy. As a parent, my struggle is I want to make my kids happy, but man, I want to make them holy too. I want, I want to help them be set apart as believers. So there's going to be moments where in parenting, I'm like, hey, listen, I know other kids are allowed to do this. You're not. Because I want you to be set apart. And your brain is not ready to be able to filter out all the bad with all the good yet. So you're not going to watch this. You're not going to listen to this. You're not going to go to that. You're not going to do this thing. Like, And not everybody loves that. I'll get my parenting questioned, my wife and I's parenting questioned every once in a while. And they'll be like, Aren't you kind of needing to lighten up here a little bit? And we'll get that kind of stuff as parents. We really will. 
but it's not all about being happy. Um, there's a book in scripture. It's probably my favorite book of all scripture. It's Philippians. And the apostle Paul writes it. he's chained to a prison guard under house arrest 24 hours a day. Paul doesn't get to eat in the book of Philippians unless somebody brings him a meal because that prison does not provide meals. Paul will starve. Paul's constantly thanking the people when he writes this letter for providing for him because if they didn't, that's it for him. Now, the the letter to the Philippians has two major nicknames. Um, I love one of them a whole lot, but one's more appropriate. One is the handbook to a revolution. That's what they call Philippians because it was so dangerous. It was so upside down from what the Roman Empire wanted things to be. So like this letter would be shared among villages and villages and person and person. And it was so different from the um, the hustle and, 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 and gains society of Rome and the United States too. And so they call it the handbook to a revolution. And I think that is an awesome name. The other one is the book of joy. Paul, whose life stinks, is constantly counting it all as joy. Like, regardless. Because to him, advancing the gospel is what matters the most. The church to him was partners in the gospel. It wasn't a bunch of people sitting in rows next to you, watching the same thing on stage and heading home. Man, it was advancing the gospel. That's what joy was. So he counted all his joy. He said he's thankful for his chains in prison. He tells people, remember why I'm in prison. And it was all joy for him. Now, let's listen to, this is... um. I'm going to read out of the CSB translation. This is Philippians 4. We're going to do verses 1 through, we'll do 5. Uh, I, uh, let's see. Actually, you know what? Let's not do, let's not do 1. Let's do, let's just do 4. Paul writes this. Rejoice in the, the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Uh, verse 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, a lot of your translations say supplication, with thanksgiving present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, what does Paul tell us? He tells us in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone, because the Lord is near. He says, he says, um, So what's he tell us to do? It's a command. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He says, have joy at all times. Now, you may say, dude, I have joy. I'm happy. Have you met my wife? Have you met my kids? Have you seen my car? Like, I have joy. Yeah, but joy is a lifestyle. Joy is like a setting. Like, joy is what you're you know, your dial is hooked up to and the knob is broken. Like that is joy. Joy is seeing the biggest picture. Um, one of the reasons why some things in ministry don't fluster me that do others is when, I th- when I'm sitting in a discussion that is just so extra biblical. You pastors, church leaders, you kind of get what I'm saying here. That people are like, hey, but if what if we do this event instead of this event? I don't think we should do it that way. Well, we should do it that way. We should do it that way. I still count that as joy because I'm like, well, on either side of this, people aren't going to be run one to Jesus, and we're probably not going to glorify God through what we're doing. So why does it really matter that much? That's why I'm sitting in the midst of that with grinning ear to ear, because I'm like, okay, well, let's do it your way. And if not, we didn't. That's okay. Preference doesn't really matter to me. But you count it all as joy. Some people in life, 
you are so bitter. That's the more young of us. You're like, you know, you're in your teens, your early 20s, and you're bitter because you want things to look different in life. You're like, but I want this to be like this, and I want this to be like this, and you're bitter. When I was a young pastor in my early 20s, I was the biggest jerk pastor the world has ever met. I was horrible. But it's because, as they say, life hadn't smacked me in the mouth yet. And once it did, guys, I questioned God. I was like, does God really love me? Because if God really loved me, then this life would look a lot cooler. Life would be better. So where are you, God? Are you forgetting about me? But then I get older and I lose so many people to death and I lose so many people to betrayal and all these kind of things like that. And now I just counted all this joy. I'm like, well, either way, God loves me, man. Like either way, God has an unrelenting love for me. God knows everything about me. He is aware of every thought before I say it. He is, he is aware of everywhere I'm going to go before I get there. He knows what time I'm going to wake up on Tuesday morning, 17 years from now, and yet loves me. I count it as joy in the Lord. So I could tell you, Christians, you should be joy-filled. And you could hear that and say, yeah, and you'll take that as a commandment, but not something you're going to do. But that's not what the scripture says. It doesn't say be joy filled. It says have joy in the Lord, meaning you have the God who surpasses all understanding. You have the God who we can't even comprehend how much he loves us. And that God says, be constantly in joy in the Lord. Have your happiness, have your emotional state, have your, this is bigger, worldview and outlook on how the world's supposed to look. Be rooted in who God is, not who your wife is, not who your husband is, not who your pastor is, not who your boss is. Be rooted in joy in the Lord. That's different. So what is happy? Happy is situational. What is joy? Joy is kind of situational and empty. What is joy in the Lord? That is sustaining. How do you get joy in the Lord? Well, you study about him more often. You have more godly conversations with people. You have a prayer life, a real prayer life, where you actually lift people up to God, but also ask him questions, tell him about your day. A real prayer life, that is joy in the Lord, folks. That's the secret to every bit of this, isn't it? Joy in the Lord. Well, guys, that's it for this week's episode of 100 Foot Jesus. A bit of a shortened episode because this topic, honestly, is really simple. Um, if you could, do us a big favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Shout us out on social media. And please, man, this is my favorite. I say it all the time. Say hello. Appreciate you guys. Have a great week.